Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Moin podcast. I am your host, Moin Zafar, and today I have with me Carolyn Barth. Carolyn is an expert in PR and digital marketing strategy. She's been nominated for 11 awards, and she's also been named one of the top 25 women in healthcare marketing. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Moin. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well, considering the craziness going on in our world with the pandemic and everybody staying at home. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. All right. So let's dive right into your origin story. So you have... Uh, from my perspective, a very unique career. And um, I want to just zero down on how it all started for you. How did you get into, uh, you know, PR and marketing? Yeah, so basically, I think that it goes back to my brother saying that I like to talk to people. And so I made a job out of professionally talking to people. (laughs) And so uh, and getting information from here to there. Um, yeah, so I basically started my career, um, doing a lot of kind of multi-channel communications, digital content strategies before digital content strategy was important as a means to get a message out to the world. I mean, my mom was director of community affairs for a large hospital in Cleveland, Ohio, which is a medical center with the Cleveland clinic. She didn't work for the Cleveland clinic but she worked for Metro Health and she started the helicopter, you know, heliport transportation. She started the geriatrics program, did a lot of grants pairing, um, you know, younger people in the community at a disadvantage with some of the patients that were more like grandparents so that they had a social network. So she was um, just really incredible about that. And then my dad is a genius basically and likes to talk up for three hours at length about color theory and I had to listen and I love my dad so much but he is an engineer and a scientist and an artist and he's really ahead of his time about a lot of things and a very deep thinker so I kind of took those two skills of listening to my dad's deep thinking mm-hmm. forever and my mom's ability to kind of take things into a nutshell and get them out to the public and do public good with them Mm -hmm. and kind of combine them. So um, studied writing, journalism, and communications at Northwestern, have gone back and studied at Kellogg um, in more recent years, which is their management school and business school, and kind of have really been lucky enough to have a career that's been over 25 years in marketing and communications and just kind of really focused on really what I do best, which is taking complex information, helping people communicate it out to millions and um, cause-based marketing, helping you grow your company. And a lot of times it's turned into what I would call a blue ocean strategy. Blue ocean is that book about getting yourself into a different airspace so that you're not competing with everyone. 
And um, I recommend that book for people to read, but kind of leading with a blue ocean strategy to get yourself known as the best in your field, the expert in your field, the company that is respected in your field, even if you're a mature startup or growing, or if you're even established brand and repositioning yourself, you know, really kind of getting yourself out in front of the story, getting those quotes, getting yourself known as experts, as the expert with the deep knowledge. So it's not surface knowledge. And then opportunities come to you and we've helped, it's helped companies win multi-million dollar grants as well as multi-million dollar projects several times over. So that's what I've done and I keep doing it. Wow. So it seems like you always had a clear path that you wanted to be uh, here where ex- exactly where you are now. Was that always the case or were, were there some challenges along the way? Oh, there's always challenges. <laughs> I would say, you know, I mean, look at right, right now where we are, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and <laughs> everybody's at home and you have to use digital and Zoom. And uh, I think I was just hearing about somebody saying something I thought was very helpful. I mean, most, a lot of people say that there's like this post-it note that I've seen on LinkedIn sometimes that people say success is not a straight line. Mm. It's up and down, like a up and down curve, (laughs) you know, a zigzag throughout your whole life. And I think part of that ability to zig and zag is what I recommend, you know, being agile and nimble and trying to trying to apply our skills to help the most amount of people when possible. You Mm -hmm. know, I think there are a lot of things that never go out of style and becoming an expert in your craft or the putting in those 10,000 hours in whatever it is that you happen to be naturally good at. So a lot of people call that the genius zone today Mm -hmm. or the zone of genius where it's easy for you. So I can see where someone needs to go and how they will get there in terms of a reputation building campaign, in terms of being known as the expert in their field. If we do these four things, you know, if we identify three stories and then we actually get them out over channels and we continue on that path and we train people how to get that message out to the world and we give them the tools, you know, the visual images and the, um, videos they need and the messaging and teach them these skills along the way then, you know, we can go away and the, pe- and the message will stick because the people know how to do it. They have this ability to keep going because not every scientist is trained in how to promote themselves right. or their science or their paper or their business, you know, and we all can learn these simple habits um, to really kind of get our message out to the world. So I would say that genius zone is where it's easy for you where we can, you know, I can stay on that strategic. I know the little steps that we need to do, even if there are a million of them. (laughs) I don't want to scare people. I'll try to boil them down to like the essential three to five steps we need to do a month for my clients. But I know the million, (laughs) you know, because I've had to use them in weird times like now. But, um, But then it allows you to be nimble and really kind of figure out And also staying current on things too. Like I've really made a point to try to embrace everything as it's changed in the last 10 years and SEO and in terms of learn it, you know, about outreach and learn about, you know, Google ads and pay-per-click and learn all about these marketing. Even if I'm not an expert, just to stay current and Mm -hmm. just to kind of know who to go to 
know who to refer my clients to and collaborate with them, you know, and I know where I want to take them and that these tools like podcasts, you know, and things like that, um, all of these help get your message out to the world. And if you have good content to share, you know, and you have your heart in the right place, I mean, there is a lot you can do, but it's one message repeated over time in the right publications, the right channels, and also using the right media for those channels mm. get, that will help you kind of get your message out. Um, and the genius zone, everybody can think of that. Like, what are you really good at that you can, you could do in your sleep? Like, I mean, I didn't do any preparation for this podcast. You can throw any question at me, mm-hmm. but I've probably done most of it. I mean, I answer it perfectly, but I can tell you what I've done. But that kind of thing isn't hard for me about how to deal with a crisis communications plan or and calm down the public or how to get proactive media to use it or how to use the peso model, which is paid, earned, shared and owned media together to make a message stick. You know, that kind of knowing those little things and then knowing the big picture, it's just, I know how to like pick up the phone and call a national publication with the right expert, pitch the right story with the right backgrounds, with the right media to get them into the New York Times or to get them into USA Today, communicate things. So you just sometimes I think have to kind of say, well, I, okay, good. I happen to be good at national media and, or it, but other people are good at graphic design or producing podcasts. <laughs> so we all have a different expertise and if we can work together, that's a lot of different genius zones that it's fun to tap into for each other. You touched on a very important point there where, where you're talking about adapting and changing to what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important to keep in mind, especially in, uh, in whatever field you're in. If you're not adapting to the new technology or new strats that are out there, you probably will be get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have examples uh, in here like, uh, you know, film stores, like CD stores, um, like Blockbuster, they were around. They didn't adapt and then Netflix took over. So podcast channels and then Netflix <laughs> took over, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> TV, I mean, the TV I watch now is Netflix. I worked yeah. in TV. I mean, it's amazing. Like mm-hmm. it was, so, you know, like what you can do now. And then now I watch a lot of Amazon, right? Who knew oh. that shop for my groceries there? I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so speaking of big changes, you uh, mentioned that you also were part of uh, the PR for H1 and N1 when that pandemic happened. And you were working for a board of, cer- board of certified pathologists and you did some PR for them. So can you talk about a bit of your role in that? What did you do and what were some of the strategies that you used? Sure. You know, that was really lucky because it was 10 or 11 years ago and I was mostly working on proactive public affairs campaigns for um, a professional association of, I think it was 18,000 board certified pathologists. And really I was so lucky because there was just two of us in the PR group. And I, I think I had access to, and I was in charge of helping to grow the spokespersons network, which was a great program already. I just came in and I had to grow it from 232 pathologists to 368 over about five years. 
And what I learned there was um, I was also on a communications team that was excellent with 11 communications professionals. So this was not just me. And we had you know, experts in so many areas. So not only the doctors, but other communications professionals. And we were in meetings often with the CDC learning about a flu strain like H1N1, which they were worried about um, a long time ago. And then our part of it, my little team's part of it was taking that messaging and then learning and trusting that it was scientifically accurate and figuring out ways to get that out to the public to calm down the anxiety. So at that point, what I mean, what's very interesting about that versus now is there's two things. The benefit is that a lot of the tips are the same. So we were advised by, you know, top virologists and board certified pathologists in the CDC that washing your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds while you sing happy birthday to yourself in your head. So it twice. So it's the right length. You don't have to sing it that song, but something around that length, you know, under soap and water, you know, um, that killed a lot of germs, which seemed like such a simple tip coughing into your elbow, not your hand. You know, that was a simple tip. Um, we didn't, I, I was just reading social distancing was not practiced at that point because I think that it wasn't, it didn't reach the stage that it was as, you know, as debilitating right now to our communities and shutting everything down. And maybe, I don't know why it didn't, but we didn't have to practice. We didn't have to communicate that because that wasn't recommended yet at that time. It didn't, um, you know, it seems like that maybe the pandemic was, I'm not sure it was ever a pandemic, but you know, I leave that to the scientists, but my part was just taking these basic tips of, you know, um, some of the other ones, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but they were all such basic tips that I see that are recommended today, you know, about just how to take care of yourself. And we just needed to share those basic tips that if you did that, you know, if you coughed into your elbow and you, you know, um, practice good hygiene in terms of washing your hands for the 20 seconds with soap and water. And of course, staying home and sick, you know, not trying to, to get anybody else, um, to have it. Then, you know, we were really able to kind of influ infuse calm because it was such simple tips, right? You know, it wasn't, oh, I mean, even with social distancing now, yes, it's not fun to necessarily stay apart from our friends and do Zooms and, and things like that, but it is a way that it seems to be containing this. So whatever that containment, whatever the recommended procedure or practice is by the scientists who actually know things, as much as we can share that and communicate that to people, then there's more... Um, it seems like I was just hearing today, I mean, knock on wood, that cases in New York are starting to, they believe, they're not sure, they're cautiously optimistic that it's not, you know, we may have reached a peak. So it seems it, that social distancing is working, you know, by the six feet or physical distancing. Um, but then you just, I don't know, we just have to be very careful and listen to that, especially with so many different channels. I mean, the one thing that, is so different now versus 10 years ago is I could take one message 
and YouTube was early on and Twitter was early and there weren't a lot of other social media channels. I don't think that our LinkedIn was there, but we weren't using it the same way we use it now. And, you know, really, so if I took a message, I could call NPR or the New York Times or get a reporter and there was a level of filtering, you know, and we could share our communications out in blogs and things like that. But there was um, an editor or a journalist and a whole a whole media publications that, and, and CNN was on repeat at that point. I mean, it was just 24 hour news. So they were really scaring people, you know, getting people very scared in that news cycle, but we could get on CNN. We could tell them, hey, this is actually what works to calm everybody down, right? Nowadays, you've got messages, which is a blessing and a curse, coming at us from all angles, from every news source. Like, you could be a news source. I could be a news source. Any of the listeners can be a news source. We could be showing masks. We can be showing, you know, scary images. We can be, you know, unfortunately spreading false information out there, you know, and just... Uh, so it's very, very important now to really stay close to what the WHO, World Health Organization, is recommending. Um, I think also the CDC has some new stuff in America. I have seen the Ad Council be, you know, releasing some information and some video ads that has been helpful. But really just staying with those trusted sources, you know, and really, really following their guidelines because there is just way too much. There's too much communications that's diffused and confusing and it's coming at us from all angles and it's not consistent. And the really with a messaging program, you want one story three key messages and one call to action said a lot over time in different channels, in different ways and infographics and images and, and videos and podcasts. But it's that one message, three key bullet points and one call to action communicated in as many channels and in as consistent way as possible. And with as many people saying the same thing as possible to get people to take action and do things to protect themselves. Um, so from the moment when you were working uh, for uh, like the PR for H1N1, from the moment that you guys first got the message on what the public should be doing, and from that time to the time you got it out, how much of a time frame did you have? Obviously, it's like a stressful situation. So how much of a time frame do you guys get to really put that information out? That's a great. I don't think everybody's, anybody's ever asked me that question. I think. 48 hours, right? 24, mm -hmm. we had more time, right? Nowadays, yeah. <laughs> nowadays you're playing, you know, <laughs> defense and offense at the mm -hmm. same time. You're getting these messages in and they're like from everywhere and then you're kind of trying to calm everybody down in terms of crisis communications. And then you're also getting in um, it from every possible channel possible, you know, social media and, you know, TV and podcasts and every, I mean, yep. it's just a free for all, you know, right? <laughs> and other governments now, I mean, it's just, oh, it's just crazy. Our groups, our friends, our family. And, you know, so that, um, you, I mean, even the one benefit is that the news will never stop now coming from all these crazy channels. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do have to just think with a clear head. I mean, my friend, David J.P. Fisher, um, who's a, an author on, uh, and, and on LinkedIn, I encourage you guys to follow him. He was telling us today something that I thought kind of calmed me down a little bit, which is that 
it is not normal now, but we're not screwed. Right. Okay. So it's somewhere between there. Okay. No, it's not normal. Let's admit that. Mm-hmm. But we're not entirely screwed. So we're somewhere in the middle. Like hopefully we're not entirely screwed. <laughs> but you know, but just I thought that that was kind of well, yeah, that so being realistic and saying, okay, well, I don't have to, I'd rather be scientifically accurate and get the right things out than rush it to market. You know what I mean? And rush it to getting it out there and, and blast it to millions and have it be the wrong information. Scientists are very good about that. Like, right. let's step back. This is what we know. This is what we can speak to. This is what we don't know. These are the questions we still have. And it's evolving. It's changing. It's not um, kind of like our careers. Like you said. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. yeah. So has it, has it ever happened that... Um... Like when uh, someone communicates something to you to put it out, and then once you put it out, they change it, and then mm-hmm. the wrong information was put out. And then how do you uh, sort of handle a situation like that when the wrong information is given out? I have to knock on wood. Mm-hmm. I am so, I have actually been incredibly careful about that. I think I was trained by very good people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did study at the Medill School of Journalism, and if you had a factual error, and this is like, you know, 25 years ago, if you had a factual error, error, you had an automatic F. Wow. So I, I mean, you, we learned from sophomore year in college that I, I'm sure they still hold people that standard, but journalism back then was not messing around. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> between that and that practice of being very careful and diligent about making and also I really care because I do take it very seriously that I know how to get a message out to millions of people. Mm. So I actually and my mom was in healthcare communications. I mm. actually and, and healthcare saved her life, you know, several times she had cancer when I was young and early detection and saved her life and the you know a lot of stuff saved her life because she found it early. So I am always forever grateful that actually to have accurate information. So I stay very close to the, actually the board certified pathologist or, or the virologist or the person that is designated by a huge group, by those 18,000 people who is, if you're blessed enough to work with something like that, or you've got the best minds in an industry willing to give you advice and, and willing to hear from the CDC and willing to hear about all these things, the best stuff you can do is listen to them, right? And a lot of times peers are more electing the really the the key opinion leader in the field for that. Like Dr. Fauci is very highly recommended right now. Mm-hmm. He's in the States, but he, people just say he really just knows so much, you know, but but whoever that person was or is, or those best minds, like, choosing those people carefully, listening to what they have to say. And when you write it down, give it back to them, you know, or if you have a podcast like this, give, give them the podcast and have them give you the feedback and sign off on it being scientifically accurate. They know this stuff. That's their genius zone, right? They can answer it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or they can look it up like that. I mean, they're Gosh, they're not only doctors, they're researchers and medical professionals that they actually know how to, they know what they're reading right? <laughs> in the scientific stuff. So we want to, you know, so there's that blend of a communicator that can push out a message to the world, but having that responsibility of who you are trusting the information from. 
Mm. And how you get that information that it comes to you and it's accurate. And when you get that information, whatever it is, even if it's a, so, if you get a longer form like press release or media alert or, you know, social media posts or uh, something you're going or messaging talking points, if you, the thing you typically do is you take that in a scientific organization and that goes through a scientific affairs committee. They can expedite things quickly in a pinch if, or if you're needing to talk just with an expert, but they have, they took their oath and their profession and their specialty. They take it very seriously and they're trying to save lives. So if you can, you know, work with them mm-hmm. and say, like, make an edit if they want an edit and then get it out, then you can do all the fun stuff. Once you have the right information, mm-hmm. stick close to the text. Then you've got your blueprint of, oh, here's how we make the infographic. Here's the data. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. And when, and you can say the latest science recommends, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, because science does change and that's not... Yep. That's something that we're seeing now is people are learning on the fly, but saying what the limitations are, the caveats are. I think that's a good point. Touching on just the just the phrase, the latest science is this, and then these are the limitations. That really, um, yeah, that, I think that's a really good way to put things out. And and then the second thing is, you know, having great sources. Like you said, you're lucky enough to be surrounded by incredible people. And then obviously you also did your due diligence. You were trained in that way and you always, um, you know, did, did your job properly, (laughs) essentially. Um, Well, I think even in this, I mean, you're asking great questions now too, you know, there's, so I I think it is, it's good for us still to have a critical mindset too, Mm -hmm. where who is the source of this information more as consumers. Now, I think that's important today too. You know, our sources cited, who is giving me this information? Is this my brother who is a wonderful, you know, person in their field, but maybe not, you know, maybe not the leading virologist or scientist or pathologist in their field diagnosing diseases, you know, who is this from the World Health Organization that is going to be really, really careful because they're advising the world, <laughs> you know? Is that is that from them or is this from, you know, someone who might be a little fear-based right now? Just kind of weigh where your sources are coming from and trust, stay close to those sources as a consumer and say, like, does this make sense to me, right? You know, put on that critical mindset of, is this 100% true? is it, do I trust this source? Am I really sure that this is not just um, being scared or anxious? I'm applying logic to it. Mm-hmm. And, and for stuff that we're consuming too. Yeah, makes sense. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. So um, let's move on to more, uh, more digital content strategy for, uh, let's say, non-pandemic situations. Yeah, <laughs> like most of my life, right? <laughs> Um, so how do you, um, go about, let's say someone has a business and let's say it's a normal situation. There's no pandemic going on and it's a new business. And so how do you recommend someone like that? Uh, you know, who are just starting out, they grow and, you know, get the awareness of their business out there. I see a lot of, uh, you know, the one thing I dislike, and this could be like my generation is, um, junk mail in our mail, in our mailboxes. <laughs> 
There's just always something there, and I I hardly ever like I don't even look at them. My wife uses them maybe sometimes for groceries, but <laughs> I just never see the point of them. I've never like saw something and be like, oh, I want to buy this. It's just never appealed to me. <laughs> so well, you know, I think that that really what I've seen and and maybe. I've, uh, something that might be good to consider right now is I have seen a lot of people throw a lot of marketing dollars first before they've figured out their story. Mm. So that I think is a waste of your marketing dollars. You know, I mean, you can get so far, it's, that's a, a one and done thing, or that's focusing on tactics, you know, delivery mechanisms. So if that person had not thought, you know, that lives delivers the junk mail to you, you know, if that person has not thought of the reason why they're sending this to you, mm-hmm. then it gets thrown away, right? And mm-hmm. it's, um, or maybe they should be sending it to your parents who might still listen to it, you know, or, <laughs> or your neighbor who, you know, is a different gen. So really that persona and market segmentation that we do now of really thinking who we are, how they consume information, where we're spending our marketing dollars is great. That's part of a plan. A initial part of a plan too is also identifying your story. Mm. So what are your three key stories that you're going to focus on for this year for your business Mm. under those, under each story, three key messages and one call to action. Identify those first. Some of the things you can think about is what are the questions in my industry that everyone is asking, but nobody can answer yet. I can answer it. What is no one asking but should be asking, and I can answer that. And how? what is basically the why of your business? Why are you in business? Is there a market need you're trying to help solve? What is, have you tested it and made it versus just an idea of I'd like to have this business? You know, if you have some customers, then there's something you're doing right, right? And so how do you get more of that by the right people? And um, once you've identified your story, your key talking points, who's going to be talking about it? So if you have several partners and one partner's really great at podcasts, another partner's really great on camera, another partner's really great at writing, you know, um, somebody else is really good at social media and different channels of social media. Like I'm really good at LinkedIn. My 10 year old daughter's amazing at TikTok. You know, I mean, (laughs) she can't work for me officially, but you know, um, you know, my 17 year old loves like Instagram and stuff. So you just have to kind of think about how do I fit into this market? Who's the right person on my team to help use that communication strategy? And do they have the story down? Is that story authentic? Because you have to make sure that you're not communicating a story that somebody would say you're not an expert in the field on that, right? Nobody's going to buy your story. I mean, if you, or you're not solving a need. So look in your testimonials. I mean, you need to get some social proof together, which is very important. So Google my business page with some Google, you know, reviews by people asking them to do reviews um, on your Google page. So when people type in for you, you know, they find out your name and they, link it back to something that you're known for. Um, a point is on LinkedIn, my, I started using Carolyn Barth storytelling because I saw mm-hmm. other millennials using like an emoji mm-hmm. and putting in something else as their last name. Right. I'll probably say that because I'll 
make me take it down. But now I go into, um, but people remember it now. And I go into marketing events or, or events and people will say, oh, you're Carolyn Barth storytelling. <laughs> so it, it, it's clearly working with branding. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, if you're able to kind of, so that, you know, even as things change so much in the communication space, I find that I'm probably always going to be known as Carolyn Barth storytelling or P Carolyn Barth PR, you know, mm -hmm. so I use that, that in my, some of my social handles or for the ability to get, make people famous. Mm -hmm. Again, that genius zone, you know, it's yeah. really comes back to that's why the brand is working. So when you think about it for your own company, what in the heck are you doing that is different than somebody else mm -hmm. that really is working? You know, I mean, I, I get these, Com when I look at my things, I'm always surprised that the simple stuff is what people appreciate. Like, oh, she makes me more creative as a boss. She has great ideas, you know, but for scientists and for engineers and for highly educated people that are so amazing at their field, staying, getting their message or their research or their product or their invention or even, you know, cutting through a very cluttered communications world that we have out there right now. You know, I tell them to simplify their story. And that actually is a very, those are effective strategies. Um, and they keep coming back where people do want me to do consulting about how do we find the right SEO terms? And then I pull in people that are some really amazing technical SEO agencies or for local SEO, I know them too, or paid social. I pull in some experts that I know that really have expertise on Facebook, because like I said, I really know LinkedIn and other people that really know Instagram. So it's kind of knowing what you know and knowing how you can help move that person forward and when to recommend other people and have power partners and pull them in. Oh, thank you for sharing all that information and knowledge. Um, I hope someone uh, who's listening can uh, find some value in this. And I definitely think uh, you touched on some really great points, especially about knowing why you're doing what you're doing and what your story is. I think that's really important, especially like you said, it's really cluttered now in almost you know wherever you go, unless it's like a real, real speciality that you have. And so really differentiating yourself with a story and then simplifying it. I think that's... Simplifying are, it is harder than it yeah. looks, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but it will stay with you. And I mean, you and I were talking too, is mm -hmm. one of the tricks I use, it's not really a trick, it's actually out of necessity. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I worked for, I had to, one of my jobs recently was to make teeth interesting. I worked with oh. a lot of dentists. So, you know, for six <laughs> years. So I had to really make teeth interesting for six years. <laughs> and people care about them. I remember the first time I started talking to some of the New York Times reporters, they were like, sorry, Carolyn, we don't cover dentistry. <laughs> Oh, I'm so screwed like 10 years ago, just eight years ago. But then when we brought in digital dentistry, mm. everybody was like, Ooh, a gadget. That's cool. You know? And so there was, and then we brought in like, Oh, what the heck is a prosthodontist? Right. And then that was, I added that word to spell check. So that became a little story. You know, how do you add a word to spell check? And then, um, and then also just about, 
missing teeth and how do you care, care of dental implants? And then I started relying on some of the facts I was seeing out there. Like I was looking at what was getting published about um, out there about this little specialty I was helping. And it kept coming back that we had, we knew that there were 120 million Americans missing one or more teeth. Mm. And that was, um, a data point I just kept carrying back and we were getting information. It was how prosthodontists were able to interpret data that was out there that existed from the NHANES report, the CDC NHANES report. Not everybody could look at the data and come up with 120 million Americans. And when I showed it around, some people said, well, that's a third of Americans. So then you really simplify the message more. So don't keep the message just to yourself, you know? But one of the tricks I'm using that you and I were talking about is I, um, I have opportunities for guaranteed media placements now for clients. So I can help them with, in a very turnkey way, and you're bas- I'm basically guaranteeing it because I know how to get you media. I had an influencer ask me to guarantee it, and I thought, because they wanted to be Instagram verified and earn media. And I said, okay, well, give me the eight publications you want to be and give me eight weeks. Let me talk to you about your story. And I'm going to say, yes, I can guarantee it, which almost nobody in media does because I always get people something. <laughs> I never, <laughs> and if I have a goal, I'm, like, I'm really focused on winning and getting that goal done. So we, so I ended up developing some relationships. And within a week, I had social media influencers doing social good. So I've now developed it into three to five products that I have that include some podcasts with some friendly interviewers and includes with where you can get SEO links back. I have it in um, some new opportunities for um, for people that, you know, want to be a, get a thousand word feature story and three beautiful pictures. It's very much an email interview, so it's very controlled. It does allow links. It's, there's an 80 domain authority value there. So um, not only does it go in your in the news section, you can use it in your bio of LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook um, and share it. You can print out a copy, put on your wall for your customers, mm. send it email marketing. So it's very, you know, very snackable, easy to share it. But it makes the person really think about their story. And I have 50 storylines to choose from. So, and it's for a flat price and we get it done. And, you know, so those kinds of things, you know, instead of just issuing a press release, skip that step, you know, do go right to the, get the media placement. Now this will help you get it. I'll be there to coach you and things like that. But sometimes you just need that one placement, that first one, because PR success typically begets more of it. So that that's something that's of interest. And one other thing I was that you had asked me about earlier was about, I know that you know so much about podcasts and how you are so great at having podcasts. Um, there is something, somebody I'm working with now that if you want to get, I don't know, if you want to get eight podcasts done for the year, they have a way, a mechanism, it's an agency that's got the system down and it's for under 3000. So you could get, you know, a bunch of content done, your episodes done. Um, and you don't really have to start a podcast. You're just jumping onto someone else's bandwagon. So there are some mechanisms. Um, and I can put a link in here below when we post this, yep. if people are interested in watching, they, they, he's got a free hour school about some of the basics, but 
it goes everywhere from promoting a podcast for a reasonable amount to you could just show up and be the guest if you've got a company to being um, to actually learning how to do podcasting and he's got a school that teaches that with very and you'll probably get a certificate at the end if you want to go into that career but there's a lot of mechanisms in this thing and I'm collaborating with them and helping them being basically an affiliate for them but um, I trust them like I've been on three podcasts I vetted them and so you know that's you're kind of getting that area of you know the stamp of approval which is really what all of us need right do we all need yeah. somebody a third it's easy to say you're good at something yourself but if somebody else says you're good at it yeah, that makes a bigger difference. <laughs> yep. That's that's perfect. That sums that sums it up pretty much. Um, so we're reaching the end of our podcasting time together. So I, I always like to finish up with two questions. One is um, a message from the heart from you to someone who's looking to have a career uh, in PR and marketing, and they're just starting off. So what would you say to them? Uh, an advice. I love people going into this. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I have been so fortunate in my career to keep current by working with people in colleges and having interns. And I welcome the opportunity to collaborate and help out. Um, I work with a woman outside of Toronto with paid social. So I know a lot of people in the industry too. Um, I think marketing is probably, you know, authority marketing is, is similar to PR. And so you keep up with the buzzwords too, mm. you know, <laughs> because I would say that actually there's probably, you know, using all these social media channels and, and just jumping in and really talking to people and following, you know, stay close to kind of what you love doing. I mean, now there's such a creator environment with YouTube. It's so cool. Yeah. And podcasts, I mean, look what you're doing. It's amazing. So um, so I think it's really just keep keep experimenting is probably what I would say too. Mm. You know, I mean, because that's the fun thing is we're all creators now, mm. right? And there's okay. no reason to hold yourself back. Go for it. Yeah, I love that. And the second question ties into the first one. So how can people get in touch with you and contact you if they want to use any of your services or, you know, ask you for advice. Thanks so much. Well, find me at digitalcontentstrategy.com. And you can also connect with me at, um, you know, on LinkedIn at Carolyn Barth Storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how you and I met. I mean, yes. to the power of LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. You know, comment on posts you like and somebody else might find you and invite you to be on their podcast like mine did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, perfect and i'll put up the links uh when i put out the episode too and when i market it so thank uh, you people can get in touch so thank you so much for being on here i appreciated all the knowledge that you shared and i definitely learned a thing or two just from this conversation oh thank you so much moin what did you learn because that's the true test do you remember Ooh, anything yes um so it was one call to action, three key stories, and then three points for each key story. Well done. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I think I said it three times, by the way, as just yeah. like a tip, so you do remember it that way. Ah, that's <laughs> strategy job. there. Good job. Okay, so, thank bye, you. my friend. Nice to see everybody. I hope you stay safe during this crazy time, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm, thank you. Thank you. 
I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.